Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, happy Thursday, everybody. It's Rich Birch from the Unseminary Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. What we're doing is a little Q&A. I have four different church leaders that are going to be on the podcast today, uh, and they've asked questions around church communications. Um, how do we you know, get the right message out? Um, and so what we're going to do is we're actually going to talk through each one of those areas, going to give some advice, some thoughts from my seat uh, in this whole church communications piece. But really, you know, the important thing that we're going to come back to time and time again uh, is that really our goal as a leader within a church is to ensure that the right message gets to the right people at the right time. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things we could communicate to our audiences that we could tell our church. Um, and our goal, uh, as you'll see kind of multiple times, we're going to come back to this, um, that are really our job is to ensure uh, that the right message gets to the right people at the right time. Um, and so we're going to talk about how we do that in a bunch of different ways. I'm going to give you examples. I've got, I've got links to um, some resources that we've been using. We're going to talk about stuff that I've been doing for years. Uh, we've been doing for years. And then also some new things, some kind of new stuff that I, that I think you might want to try as you look into your, um, you know, kind of your communication strategy as a church. So we, we have a bunch of different questions that came in. Uh, unfortunately, I can't um, cover all of them. We just don't have enough time uh, on today's podcast. But what I tried to do uh, was to pick four different questions that I think represent kind of, a you know, the areas that people were asking about um, when they submitted questions to, uh, you know, to the podcast. And so, you know, I'm excited about uh, today's podcast. If you're listening in, uh, I'm going to try to do my best uh, to be, you know, to make this uh, auditorily uh, correct. So if you're just listening in, it should be fine. But, you know, if you want to go over to unseminary.com, you can actually watch today's episode. There's a slide presentation that goes along with it. Um, so you could pause this or stop it and head over there if you wanted to, but it should be fine if you're driving in your car, you know, running at the gym or that sort of thing. Uh, you know, you should be fine uh, as well. So why don't we jump in with the first question? Uh, this is from Granite United Church. Uh, let's listen to Anthony and what he has to say. Hey, Rich. Anthony Milas here, Granite United Church. We're a multi-site church, four different locations, two different states, Two different days, and uh, presently doing seven weekend services. In a couple of weeks, we'll be launching our eighth service, and we have just uh, signed a deal to open up our fifth location. Good things happening. I have a question about cross-campus communication. What are multi-site churches finding the most effective way to communicate cross-campus when it comes to alignment and strategic pushes for things such as baptisms, um, just major big events. What are they finding the most effective way? Video conferencing, emailing, um, staff meetings, just looking for a little insight on that. All right. Well, thanks so much, Anthony. I really appreciate Anthony and his church, Granite United. Um, it's so cool to hear a church that's expanding and growing, um, you know, that's reaching all kinds of people, expanding beyond, uh, you know, even just one location into five different locations. Anthony, that's so encouraging. Um, you know, a, there's a study that came out a couple of years ago um, from the Leadership Network that showed that 85% of multi-site churches still stayed at only three locations. Now, a lot of them want to go beyond that, but they don't. Um, and I think a big part of the reason why that is, is because of this whole multi-site alignment issue. How can they kind of keep, you know, the entire organization uh, moving together, really moving in the same uh, direction? And so, you know, Anthony, that's, that's a good question. So what I thought I'd do is going to talk through, um, you know, really two different areas I heard you talking about. One was how do you keep your team aligned? How do you keep the people that report to you, your staff, your volunteers, that sort of thing. How do we keep them aligned? Um, and then what do you do for your people, the kind of broader church community? Uh, these are critical areas, things that you need to you know, think critically and have um, some systems in place to deal with. So the first of all, let's talk about you know, how you, you know, can keep your team aligned. And it really comes down to two different areas. One is meetings and the other is emails. I know it's like crazy. Wow, that's like rocket science, Rich. But there's really, you know, I think if you drill in, I'm going to give you some examples 
from you know our context what we do on the meeting front so we have a weekly routine of meetings um, that uh, you know we do every week and what these meetings are designed to do uh, is to kind of keep our staff team aligned to keep particularly our staff and our leaders aligned as we go into every weekend week in week out and so what we start every week on Monday morning with a, a weekly review meeting and what that meeting is all about is um, really reviewing what happened the day before and then it's nailing down um, this coming weekend so in that meeting is myself um, uh, that's a meeting I host and our our lead pastor Tim Lucas is in that uh, all our campus pastors are in there um, and then uh, also the guy who oversees our worship uh, area so Jason Pastor Jason uh, Yost fantastic guy uh, he's in that meeting um, and then we have some support staff in there as well and what we do every week in the weekly review and it's changed and evolved in different you know different seasons we've kind of done different things right now right now we've kind of settled into um, doing this, hey, what are two things we need to know from your campus from yesterday? A part of that, a part of the reason why I value this is it's a, a weekly time that our campus pastors can connect with Tim, our lead guy. And it's just a soft check-in. It's just like, hey, how to go? Um, that's as much, you know, for Tim's benefit as, as it is for the campus pastors. Um, so he can get a sense of what's happening um, there. So, we, you know, the kind of front half of the meeting, I'd say the first five minutes or so is really just really super casual. People, you know, everybody's coming in. There's a little bit of the war story. Hey, how'd it go yesterday? Everybody, you know, usually there's something goofy that happened at some campus. Um, and then and then we do about 15, 20 minutes of review um, where we'll talk about, you know, two things that happened is one way we've, we'll, we've done it or we've done the, you know, good, bad, missing, confusing. What's one thing that was good, bad, missing or confusing from yesterday? Um, we've done keep, stop, start. So what's one thing that, um, you know, you want to keep from yesterday that you want to keep doing going forward? What's the, something happened you want to stop, you want to never do again? Um, you know, or what's one thing, man, I wish we, we would have done that we kind of missed uh, yesterday. And then the kind of back half of that meeting, we pull up on a big screen, um, the run sheet for this coming weekend. And so we, we basically, um, you know, we want to walk out, make sure that everyone is super clear on exactly what's happening, uh, this weekend at all of our locations. And so that's really, we try to, and I would say most, we're now in a rhythm where that this happens, where th that, uh, review meeting is the last time that we make any changes for the coming weekend. Um, kind of once it happens there, um, really our campus pastors kind of have the last say on, okay, how does this thing go down? And, um, you know, it gets under my skin when we make changes past that because it means, you know, it's going to be extra communication we need to do particular uh, with those guys. All right. And then on Tuesday, what happens is every week our campus teams. So this would be the campus pastor with their people. So the people that are with them on the weekends, um, they meet together and um, they review the weekend. So they do a similar thing where uh, it's a bit more forward facing. It's kind of looking into this coming weekend, what's coming up, what's happening, you know, that sort of deal. Um, and they meet together. They also kind of go through, um, you know, a, a set agenda where they're like one week might be talking about kids ministry another week you know they might be talking about you know what's happening in groups you know that sort of thing they also drill into specifically you know kind of the people side of the equation more so you know who are some people we need to be caring for uh, they try to connect um, you know connect the dots within their community relationally so are there you know is there is there a family that's in crisis um, that maybe somebody in student ministry heard about well you know we want that to bubble, bubble up to the campus pastor or vice versa um, and then they talk about this coming weekend. So there's kind of the logistics side of that as well. Then on Wednesday, uh, we have a production meeting. So this is kind of the, uh, it's kind of the mirror to the campus teams, but it's the central production team. And so that's a half an hour meeting. It's, it's super quick. Um, and in that meeting, that, that meeting I host, um, and who's in that meeting is our central kind of production staff. So the people that are responsible for video graphics, all that kind of stuff. Um, our music guy is in there who oversees all music at those campuses. Um, and then we have the producers or, or really their, their kind of support staff in every, campus they're part-time for us um that a lot of them just come in by google hangout every once in a while somebody might show up uh in you know face to face uh and what that is is the bulk of that meeting is really talking through the run sheet there's very very rarely is there any kind of evaluation of the week before it's mostly about kind of what's coming up this weekend um 
All right, so from a meetings point of view, the thing I like about this pattern, this kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday pattern, um, is it ensures if something goes wrong on a weekend in a campus, if there is a, a train wreck, which does happen, um, it, there's, a, there's a slot on Monday for the campus pastors to talk that through. And there's enough people in that room, the people that are there that need to know about that, that can solve that for future. And it also provides a learning opportunity. So if something goes wrong, they can talk it through and other campuses and other campus leaders can uh, learn about it. And then, you know, all and then really it's the same with the campus teams and the production meeting on Wednesday. It gives us, um, you know, just a regular check in to make sure that we're uh, ready to go, that we're all marching together and hopefully catching if there's any problems um, you know, arising for this coming weekend. All right, then we also do a monthly all staff meeting, and this really alternates between inspirational and informational. Um, and so, you know, there's some meetings where, you know, in in months where it, it's literally like, here's 15 things every staff member needs to know about what's happening. And so, you know, it might just be events that are coming up. It's, um, you know, hey, we're running this camp this summertime, or kids ministry is doing something, or um, you know, student ministries happening, or, um, you know, it is more pastoral inspirational where, you know, Tim, our lead guy, um, you know, he might uh, have a message, a leadership talk he wants to give to the community of staff. Um, you know, we'll get together, worship together, have communion, you know, that sort of thing. And it really alternates uh, where we try to alternate it between those two. Um, and then every quarter we do something special. So we might go offsite, um, do something fun in the summertime, maybe go, you know, we've done the like whitewater rafting thing or, um, you know, we'll do like a day away, um, you know, with our staff, just like kind of a, a, a retreat setting. Um, you know, we try to do that and that's about quarterly. Again, those that's not set in stone, but that's kind of been the pattern that we um, have followed. All right, then also emails. And, you know, I, there tends to be people, it's like you're either a meeting person or an email person. You tend to like one or the other. I tend to be more of an email person. Uh, I love email. I don't really have a problem with email, um, which I know sounds crazy. But, um, you know, we want to have a regular email communication with your folks. And so really the goal there is to over-communicate. And, and you know, there's a, you have to, have to kind of watch that, you um, you know, line. It's it's like a, uh, a thermostat. You got to watch how much you send. Uh, but you know, I would err on the side of you know over communication. Now, people who are really into meetings, uh, they don't like email, um, and so they're going to push back and be like, "Wow, you're sending too much email." Um, and that probably is a good sign that you're sending just about right. When people start saying there's too much email going on, um, hey, you know, you're probably just about right because you're starting to over communicate, which is really the goal. Um, but then also, you know, we also use a number of online tools to try to keep alignment as well. Um, we use a system called Planning Center Online, um, which you maybe have heard of. What Planning Center does is it from a weekend service point of view, it um, it is a, it basically is the repository of all our teams and the run sheets for every campus. And so each campus has a, has their kind of own bucket within planning center. So they, I can easily go in people who are volunteering on the weekend, they can go in and check and see what's coming up that weekend. Um, and you know, we, we put all the details in there for campus pastors, for our media folks, everything so that they know exactly what's going on. But then it also has the staff associated with that. So whether they're going to be there, um, you know, they have to actually say yes or no, I'm going to serve this weekend. Um, you know, and that we also have a number of Google docs that we use to try to align our people. Um, so we have a master calendar that we keep as a Google spreadsheet called the weekend service overview. And what that does is it tracks what message is happening this weekend at your campus. It also tracks what announcements we're talking about. Um, and if there's any special call outs, like at the end of the service, if we're, you know, handing something away or, you know, that sort of deal. And we try to plan that, you know, three or four months out. So at any given time, any of our staff can go in and access that. And it gives you a good sense of what's happening on the weekend at our campuses. Um, it tends to function a bit like um, the the master calendar, although we do also have a master calendar on Google, um, you know, a Google calendar that's a master one as well. Uh, but it it really is the place, and I use that as a, I'm in that every week trying to massage around, you know, people are looking for, hey, I want to get an announcement about this or an announcement about that. Um, you know, I'm in there moving stuff around all uh, the time. And then finally, and I'd say this is an area that we're not as a week in, um, you know, would be just a whole kind of central project management system. Uh, we use a system called Teamwork. Um, it's 
similar to Basecamp, um, which is a kind of central planning resource so that, you know, all of our, and this is again more on all the people that are involved in production. So making stuff, graphics, video, um, you know, even just getting stuff together for the weekend, um, using a planning uh, project management tool um, like Basecamp you know, we don't use that, but that's, or we don't, we use that. Um, I use that on the side, but I don't, we don't use it in, in our church stuff. I think it's the best one out there. Um, you know, like I said, we also use it. We use a thing called teamwork, um, which we're happy with. Um, but a, a kind of central project management system where all the projects can end up in there. It's basically a master to-do list, um, that, that works is networkable across, uh, the campuses. So, uh, from how do you keep your, you know, your staff aligned? Really, you need to think about your meeting bucket and your email bucket. Um, and that's some of the things, uh, we do. Now, what about keeping your people aligned? You know, this is, this is a, a good, question. I think fundamentally about communication is about this, is about how do we keep people um, thinking about the same thing. And our job as a leader um, is really to keep people focused on the things that are going to move the organization forward. And as you grow and become, you know, add more campuses and as you add more locations, really the game is all about narrowing the focus. It's about communicating less um, and doing it in a way that makes more impact at those locations. And so for us, just really super practically, um, we have narrowed down what we communicate on the weekend. So our goal is to never in a service outside of what Tim is talking about, um, is to never really communicate more than two things. Now, I, ideally, I really like to be one thing. Um, and this would be from an announcement point of view. And the reason why we do that is because the more we communicate to folks, just the less they'll, they'll understand it. And so, you know, there's, there's that research that's, that shows if you show five commercials in a row, um, basically, uh, you know, at every commercial, every additional commercial, each of them are, are remembered um, by half as many people for each, you know, for each commercial added. So if you have one commercial, let's say 10 people would remember what commercial, it, what, what would the commercial was about. If you have two, only five people remember those uh, two, what the two are. If you have three, it goes down to, to um, two and a half and then so on and so forth. And the same thing is true from a, you know, from a weekend service and from a, just a communication. We're going to talk about more, more about this later, but, but the general principle here really is about narrowing the focus. And so you need someone who's a bit of the communication czar, you have to empower someone to really say, okay, my job is to narrow the focus down. And that really is for the benefit of everyone. It's for the benefit of all your departments and all the locations. Because if if you don't do that um, and you just let everything end up getting everyone's attention, uh, no one will know. Now, one of the practical ways we do this, we do um, at all our campuses on most weekends, I'd say nine weeks out of 10, uh, we do a video-driven announcement package. And now what this is, it does two things. Uh, I, I want to guarantee from a communications point of view that we are getting the right information to our people. And so we can do that when we produce uh, video-driven announcements. And so uh, in a moment, I'm going to play uh, an example of one so you can see it and then we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. But the two reasons why we do it is, is first, I want to be able to guarantee that, hey, the two things that we're talking about this weekend, I can deliver that in a minute and a half or two minutes um, in, a, in a way that's compelling and kind of draws people in um, and gives you a sense of, of what's happening. And then the second reason is because I, I don't actually want campus pastors getting up there and rattling dates and times of, you know, events. I, I just don't think that's a good use of, of their influence. What I do want them talking about is kind of the pastoral drive behind things. So I'll give you an example. Um, we have an, a, a very super important meeting coming up with our student ministry. Um, we just hired a new uh, high school pastor, Andy Tilly, super excited to have him on the team. Um, and in a couple of weeks, we have a meeting where we're trying to get you know, our largest attendance ever from uh, parents to, to one of these meetings. We really are trying to push hard for that. And so in our video announcements, we talked about that. We had an interview with them and we talked about the date and time, how people register, all that kind of stuff. It, it was great. But then our campus pastors, the goal for them is to stand up after uh, the announcement and uh, the video announcements played and um, actually 
uh, kind of to give the pastoral heart behind it. And so in that announcement, they're asking, uh, really talking about their own kind of the impact that student ministry had in their life when they were a kid. And then man, saying like, man, we really want that to happen with your kids. And okay, let's join together in this. Let's partner together. So let's take a look. Um, we're going to look at uh, an announcement, a video announcement. We call it the 411. Um, um, and the host here, well, you'll see. We'll play this and uh, so you'll get a sense of what we do. My name is Lauren and I want to welcome you to Liquid Church today. Now we are thrilled that you are taking out time from your new year to spend it with us. And here are some things coming up in 2014 that you're not going to want to miss. already heard that this year we want to take worship to the next level at all of our campuses here at Liquid Church and part of doing that will be the expansion of our worship teams. So if you have a talent for singing or for playing an instrument you're going to want to talk to your campus worship leader after the service today or go to liquidchurch.com for more information. In February, we are starting a brand new season of life groups here at Liquid Church. Now, life groups are small clusters of people that meet during the week and are pursuing spiritual growth in three different areas. The first is growing in their personal relationship with God. Second is developing deeper relationships with one another. And the third is reaching out to the community. We're looking for people who might be interested in leading a life group in 2014. What a perfect way to kick off the new year. We're hosting an info session right here at your campus for people who might be interested. We want you to join us. If you want more information, text Life Group to 313131 right now and we'll send you more information or drop by the Next Steps kiosk after the service. Well, thanks so much for coming to Liquid today. And if you're new here, make sure you stop by the New Here kiosk on your way out to pick up your free gift and to meet our team. We'll see you next week. All right, so you can see, um, you know, for people who are just listening, obviously you missed some of that. Um, but what the 411 does from, from my point of view, you can see there, um, you know, so I just pulled one out from early January. And, you know, I'm going to be completely honest, one of the, the things we don't normally do is advertise for a specific volunteer team. Um, but because this was early in the year and we didn't have a lot um, kind of on the docket, um, we put in an ad for our worship teams. Now, this is an example of one of those announcements that if just left to our own devices, I found, just to be completely honest, that campus pastors will cut out of announcements. They're just like, oh, we don't need that. It's fine. Um, but I want to make, but particularly with that team, we're, we're trying to reinvent that whole area. We're trying to really boost that area. And so we wanted to give it a little extra highlight than we, you know, normally would. Um, and then the life group thing there, you know, there's a fair amount of detail that we, you know, we're trying to communicate in there. Um, we also, you know, there was like the texting thing. There was, you know, what life groups are all about. This was the first of a six week run where we were promoting life groups. And so we're trying to just baseline set what are life groups. This is what a life group is. Um, coming out of this, our hope uh, would be that, you know, campus pastor would talk about the great things happening in their life group and how they love leading a life group and something funny that happened in their life group. And then, and it'd be great to join us. And why don't you text that number, um, life group to that number, just so you can join along with us. So that's, uh, you know, that's a video announcement. You know, you can do those in-house. Um, you know, they don't need to be super complex, uh, but there are uh, companies as well um, that will, if you just actually even just Google, you know, video announcements for churches, um, you'll find that there's companies that will do that for you for actually a fairly reasonable cost. Um, I think the critical piece there is to narrow down on a few. Um, again, if you were just listening in, you missed that. There's a lot of B-roll on our our 411, which is a lot of other footage. It's not just her standing there in front of a screen or something like that. And what we're trying to do is really pack in um, a lot of vision for what the church is all about. So we're showing like shots from our clean water stuff. We do clean water stuff all over the world or shots from our kids ministry, shots from, you know, what it is to be liquid. So even if we're not talking about those things, it hints to people, particularly first time guests, wow, there's a lot that goes on at this church and it's a pretty innovative church. They're doing some cool stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's a practical tip there, Anthony. I hope this has been helpful. Um, you know, multi-site alignment. I'm super excited about what's happening at your church. And
And uh, yeah, thanks so much for pushing through and doing uh, what you're doing there. Well, next, we've got Bobby Williams from the Ridge Church. Let's listen in and see uh, what he has to say to us. Hey, Rich. It's Bobby Williams here at Ridge Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Very excited to uh, send you a question for the Unseminary podcast, which I am a huge fan of, by the way. So my question is concerning Facebook and the uh, promotion of posts on Facebook, specifically of events as in uh, message series and things of that nature. So I'm wondering how Liquid Church and Rich Birch does Facebook promotions. How do you guys set that up and what have you seen that works, what doesn't work? Uh, and is Facebook still a, a good method for reaching uh, into the uh, general population of a city? Uh, for example, in Oak Ridge, um, we like to think that, that Facebook is probably one of the best ways to reach people uh, because we have a city ordinance that doesn't allow billboards. Uh, you had to have a permit to put up uh, yard signs and so it kind of makes it difficult to uh, get the word out uh, unless you're doing it digitally so curious about Facebook how you guys use Facebook to promote message series uh, or if you use it at all so would love your feedback on that thanks rich looking forward to the podcast all right, Bobby, thank you so much. Bobby's a great leader. Um, you can check him out, bobbywilliams.com. He's a fantastic leader, doing great stuff uh, at Ridge Church. Actually, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which played a critical part in the uh, the whole nuclear, uh, you know, bomb from uh, uh, Hiroshima, which, you know, is probably an interesting fact in their town, but it really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But let's talk about Facebook. You know, I... I pulled this one out because, to be honest, um, we've, we've focused a lot on Facebook over the last couple of years. We spent a lot of time, effort, and energy. But to be honest, recently I'm finding, you know, I'm calling it more frustrating book. Um, you know, I've been, you know, fairly kind of worked up about the changes that Facebook has brought about and the impact that's had that it's had on our communication strategy. I totally agree with Bobby that Facebook is a great way to reach people um, because, hey, you know, we are, are increasingly so our people are using social media. And as church leaders, as church communications people, we have to be where our people are. And we know that um, folks are on Facebook. You know, we know that every morning. Uh, you know, there's that stat that a third of all U.S. women uh, check Facebook before they get out of bed every morning. Um, it's incredibly important. So, um, you know, and, and Facebook is always, you know, tweaking their algorithm. They're always trying to find they, they live in this tension of um, they want to make it super addictive and super useful for people. Um, while at the same time making it useful for businesses like churches uh, to communicate to people. Um, but at the end of the day, they're going to default and come back to making it useful for their users. That's their goal, which is okay. Uh, but let's, let me kind of, I guess, let me back up and kind of explain why I have found it frustrating. So, you know, over the last couple of years, we've worked really hard to build up our um, Facebook likes on our page. And, and you know, I'm proud of where we're at. You know, we've typically tracked a um, just more than double our Sunday morning attendance on, um, you know, that like our, our Facebook page. And so we're, you know, we're up over 7,000 people liking. Um, and, you know, the great thing about that, you could do kind of analytic stuff on the back end of Facebook. And they have this great stat where they look at the friends of friends. And so this is kind of one, just one friend removed from our people. Um, and there's literally millions of people who are one friend removed from our seven, just over 7,000 people who are currently our friends on um, on Facebook. And, and, and that's good. You know, I'm excited that there's been so many people there. But let's get to the nut of why I have been, you know, frustrated with Facebook recently. And it's because this... Um, Every post on the back end, when you log in as an administrator, you can see how many people are viewing your post. And so, you know, this, I, I tried, I just pulled out two examples. And so, you know, here was, here was one that I think was a pretty good, you know, well-designed, what they tell, what all the experts and gurus tell you to do, which is, hey, you know, you got to ask a question that's kind of around your topic uh, to engage people. And you'll see that, you know, only 813 people um, saw this post. Now, the reason why this is, is because Facebook has an edge, uh, a, 
a algorithm that they call edge rank. So every time you post as a business or any person is the same thing. Every time you post on Facebook, Facebook decides um, who's going to see that, and they don't actually let you. They don't actually get your message out to all seven thousand people who um, are your friends. Basically, what they're doing is they're trying to figure out who are of those seven thousand who are the most likely to want to see this message, and so they track that through you know how people have interacted with your content, the kind of content you're generating just what you're saying in the content you know it's um, kind of dark arts they don't really tell you but uh, you know you can kind of start to piece it together and it's constantly shifting but you know last fall in particularly we saw a huge drop in um, you know the number of people that would see our post um, and so the thing that's frustrating about this, this is the core of my frustration, is we've spent years driving our people to get on Facebook and to use Facebook as a communication medium. Um, but then now, you know, we're talking maybe 10% of our people are actually seeing the content that uh, we're generating. Now, you know, there was a while there where, um, you know, the, the conversation was, well, maybe you shouldn't be just using text posts like this. This one is literally just text. Um, maybe you should be using images. And we're finding the same thing. So here, um, you know, we're showing an interactive post. It was from a series called 24-6. And we were trying to ask people what they unplug to do. We had a series about Sabbath. And uh, we gave away these cards on a Sunday morning. And we asked them to write out, you know, I unplug to be with my kids. Or I unplug to write music. You know, whatever that is. And so we, you know, we went back to our people online and asked them to, um, you know, to write out what they do. And so you can see here, even less than 10% um, followed or got to see this image post. Now, it used to be that image posts would drive a lot more uh, views for us. But again, that has all shifted um, in the last couple of months. Now, the reason why that is, if you notice on the bottom right-hand side of these, these um, posts, you'll see the boost post button. And what that boost post button is, is a chance for us to give Facebook money. Um, and what that'll do is if we give them, say, 20 bucks, they will, um, you know, let, let more of our people or get more of this content into our people's streams. Now, I, uh, we have done this in the past, Bobby, and it's been effective. You know, one of the things that, you know, it can do is, it, you know, you can guarantee that not just your people, but the, the friends of your friends um, you know, we'll see the content. And so this is really what, you know, Bobby, the question Bobby's asking is, you know, is this an effective medium? So, you know, let's take a look. I, I want to show you some kind of posts that have gotten traction, organic traction that we haven't boosted. Um, and so here's three of them. So the first one is, you know, a, a, we ha we do um, a regular um, volunteering with an organization called the Relief Bus in New in Newark, New Jersey, and um, you know, so we've posted six photos from that. And it really is just people at the relief bus. They're super simple. It's just you know taken with an iPhone, and that post received you know over nineteen hundred. They're almost two thousand organic views. So this is non-boosted reviews. Now, so we're still seeing this, that a way to kind of guarantee that people are going to see your content is photo galleries like this that are kind of your people doing something at church. This continues to be a great way to reach folks. Um, and, you know, so this this is a, you know, is a good way to do that is to jump in there and to, and you know, and you could do that through photo booths or this kind of thing. Um, this is a great organic way for people to see, you know, to, to see your content. The good thing about this is it gives people insight on what's happening at your church. And let's be honest, people love seeing um, themselves. So this kind of post got, you know, great views for us. Uh, next, you can see just right after the Super Bowl, you probably saw this photo. Um, right after the Super Bowl, um, there was a, a group of players from both teams that got together and prayed together. Um, and this, we actually shared from Fox Sports. Um, we shared a view from them, made a comment on it, and shared that out to our people. And it's one of our biggest views recently, 3,500 people. So half of our people saw that post. I think why this is important to note is um, we are sharing as a page, we are sharing other Facebook content with our folks that is contextually important. So um, Facebook, this is, you know, is, was saying, you know, for us, what EdgeRank is telling us is this is 
current content about the Super Bowl, which is a big deal, or was at that point about the Super Bowl. And it also is connected to us. It's about kind of, you know, Christianity. And so um, sharing content from other providers, and you can make comment along the way um, that's relevant, um, will get more views. Again, why Facebook is doing that is they're trying to get us to engage in the conversation, to see Facebook not as a blasting mechanism, but as a communication platform, a place to actually talk. Um, and so, you know, that, so that view got a big, you know, got a big turnout you know, for that post got a big turnout for, you know, from, you know, from people. Uh, and then finally, you can see uh, there's a post on our page. If you're watching uh, there, that's, you know, about a snow day. We've everybody, you know, has had these, you know, snow days. Um, in fact, today is a snow day in uh, New Jersey. My kids are home. Um, and so here's one. It's just snow. Are your kids, your kids school closed today? Uh, what town are you in? And you can see, you know, we had you know, almost 50 people go in and talk about, you know, what, where their schools were closed. Again, it's showing what Facebook is telling us. We had over 2,200 people, almost 2,300 people who saw that post. What Facebook is telling us there is contextual information is the most important. So why do I say this? This is a long way to get to your, your answer. Um, Bobby, I think what we have to start with is great contextual content that's already getting um, interaction, that it's already getting um, people watching it. So we need to boost the winners. You can't use Facebook to just pour money on content that people aren't watching. So now none of these we actually paid money to get more people to view, but we are doing more of basically making content that was trying to engage our people that is organically, you know, getting comments, getting views, and then we're putting money onto those views. So then our friends and family and their friends, you know, are seeing them. So the, the core kind of part of the strategy there is you first have to generate content, social content that people are going to want to watch and view and interact with. And then from there, putting money onto that um, to reach the people in your community. So for you, you know, I, you need to be finding stuff that's resident to uh, your town that makes sense to your town um, that's you know serving your community that's helpful to your community um, and then you could use you know some some money uh, to experiment and see people you know the good thing is it's you know not a ton of money you know I want to recommend for people uh, Gary Vaynerchuk a guy that I follow on this front a great guy also a friendly New Jerseyan, uh, wrote a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook. It came out last fall. And I would strongly recommend that you read it. A couple things that he talked about in there as, you know, related to this whole area about paying for posts on Facebook is, you know, only 3% of your audience will see unpaid for organic social content. So when he, you know, he said that, I was like, gosh, that's so true. We're seeing that where, you know, if I post something, a very small percentage of our audience will actually um, see it. Um, now, so I'm happy that 10% or about 10% are seeing an average post or maybe 9%. Uh, we seem to be performing slightly better than your average, you know, business on Facebook. But the reality of it is just the majority of your people won't see it. You know, he, I, I, he, I was super upset about all these changes and have been mad. You know, the reality of it is Facebook's a business. Uh, they're, you know, they're in the business of making money. They want to, like I said earlier, they want to keep their listeners, uh, their viewers, uh, their socialites on on there interacting. And he said, listen, don't be mad that you have to pay to bump up in the uh, in people's rankings to get more views out of people. Because he said, so it would be like being upset with, with Gmail. If Gmail, um, if you, you know, if Gmail could, if you could pay Gmail to send an email to everyone on your list, a guarantee that it got at the top of the pile and not only that at the top of the pile that it was open that's essentially what you're paying for when you pay for a post because people spend most of their time in the news stream they're not actually on your page on Facebook um, they're on the news stream and um, and what you're doing to pay is to say hey I want this to show up and I want it to be open I want it to be in front of them that's fundamentally what you're paying for when I read that I thought you know what that's uh, that's true and really where he pushes towards is that brands need to act like people um, for to get the kind of traction you need on Facebook, on any social platform, you really need to be thinking about acting like a person, which I think for us in the 
church world is easy to do or is easier to do. Really what we need to be thinking about is our, and this is a mindset issue, um, not really a tactic here, but we need to groom you know, our, your pastoral social media presence. So you need to be thinking about how do I interact online as a pastor, not as a person who's just blasting information. In fact, actually even bigger than that, your own, you know, your people's Facebook um strategy is probably more important than what's happening on your kind of corporate page. So as an individual, Bobby, what you're doing on Facebook is going to get more traction long-term than, you know, the church. And, and I've been saying this for a while, but I, I just am more and more, I strongly believe that, that actually a part of what we need to work with all our leaders, staff, and volunteer is grooming these profiles so that instead of having one page, um, one kind of corporate page, you know, for your church, you have a number of these smaller pages that are each of your staff member, um, you know, staff members, kind of their presence that you'll have collectively more influence if you kind of get all of them working together um, and, you know, promoting and talking about what's happening. So when you, you know, have that big day, instead of just having one channel, the kind of the main Ridge Church page, you have five or six channels that you can push that out through. And because you've been grooming the presence, um, you know, there uh, over time, um, you know, you'll end up getting, you know, better promotion. I mean, we can talk more about that in the future. We're doing some stuff on that front to experiment with that, um, that we're not quite ready to talk publicly about yet, but, um, you know, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, cause I'm excited about the early response. All right, let's move on to the next question. A friend of mine, Carrie Newhoff has got a question. Uh, let's listen to what Carrie says. Hey Rich, it's Carrie Newhoff from CarrieNewhoff.com, And thanks so much for your blog and thanks so much for this podcast. Quick question for you because you've got a lot of experience in um, multi-site churches. In terms of um, growing campuses and scaling ministry, what are a couple of the best practices you've seen in churches currently to help them prepare for current and future growth? Thanks so much for what you do. All right, Kerry, thanks so much for dropping by. I really appreciate Kerry. He's at Connexus Church. Um, you know, he, he does a fantastic job. He's a senior leader there, had the privilege of uh, on, being on his staff for a while um, and just continue to appreciate his ministry, what he's doing. He also works with the uh, the Orange Guys. His blog, com. from my point of view, is required reading for uh, church leaders. Well, I appreciate Kerry uh, talking about, you know, what do we do to get ready for growth? You know, how is it that, um, you know, if there's you're currently growing from a communications point of view or you're anticipating growth, how can you get ready? Uh, um, and so, you know, I actually want to, we shared this graph, um, you know, this is an attendance graph. I don't say this because I'm trying to brag. I just want to use it as an example, um, you know, for us and kind of what's happening at our church. This is actually from a leadership summit we did. That's why it's a guy with a backpack. Um, and you can kind of see our attendance there. Um, and you could see that kind of, you know, we grew, we started in, um, you know, we existed pre 2007, but really launched in 2007. And you could see kind of 2007, 2008, um, 2009. And then we kind of plateaued there. Um, you know, we didn't really have significant growth, but then you can see in 2011, really our growth started to explode. And so 2011, 2012, 2013, and now 2014, you know, our attendance continues to is kind of, we've changed the trajectory. It went from not quite plateauing, but it was definitely leveling off to now it's exploding. And so why is that? What have we done from a communication point of view? And so I just wanted to talk about a few things. Um, you know, what is it that God seems to be using in our midst, um, you know, from, a you know, from a communications point of view, you know, I think a, one of the big changes we made is we really got into a systems approach to series promotion. So every time we come up to a series, we, um, we try to generate the exact same kind of, um, you know, promotional effort for that, we, you know, time in time out. It was interesting. I was at a thing with Craig Groeschel recently, um, where a person asked a similar question. They're like, Hey, what do you think the kind of secret to your growth is? And they didn't quite say it like that, but that was basically what they were getting at. They were, they were better Christian in the way they said it, but that's what they were saying. And he, he gave a similar answer where he said, you know, every time we do a series at life church, there's seven things we do. And he rattled off these seven. And so, you know, for us, Every time we come up to a series, there are seven things that happen. The first, there's a mindset. We are consistently communicating, invite your friends. This is the perfect series for you to invite your friends. 
Um, you know, I do think people have to be reminded of that constantly. It's not going to happen once a year. Um, and so every time we start a new series, our campus pastors will get up and say, this is a perfect series for this reason for you to invite your friend. And so, you you know, we, we want to be constantly using that language. Um, we rarely say, well, we don't ever say, um, just come to this thing. We always say, invite your friends and come to this thing. Um, whatever it is, come to this series um, and bring a friend. It's, it's always about inviting. Um, and so we're constantly, you know, you know, beating that bandwagon. We want people to know uh, this is about our friends. It's not about us. Every series gets a teaser. So we do a short video, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. It gets released a couple weeks before the, the series. We release it online. Uh, we release it on a Sunday morning. Uh, we use it to try to hype the series. We try to give a sense Really what we try to do, every series, we talk about changing the channel. A part of our internal language is changing the channel. We really want every series to feel great and different from the one we're currently in. Like, oh, wow, that's cool and different and unique. And so we show this really to indicate to people or part of why we show it is because if people are in the current series and they're not really digging it, which doesn't really happen that often, but if they're not really digging it, our hope is that they'll see like, wow, this thing that's coming up in a couple weeks, that looks amazing. I'll, I'll go there. Every week, the week before the series launches, we hand out invite cards. We do this in a bundle, so we bundle two or three of them together. And as people leave, the week before, um, we are handing them out. We don't. We um, we have ushers at the door that are putting them in everyone's hand. Our goal is that everyone walks away with those invite cards. Now, the reason why we do invite cards, I'm still convinced in a world of all this digital communication that invite cards are good, is because it's a great reminder, even if all it does is end up in their car and it worst case scenario ends up on the floor of their car and like two weeks later they see that thing there they forget that it was there it's a physical reminder of the of the series even if those cards don't end up in the hands of a, a first-time guest or someone that we're inviting to come it's a reminder to our people to invite uh folks we do an online push uh, with every series. That's usually, you know, a, a social media push, and we're doing more uh, around generating social-only content. So this is content specifically for Facebook, Instagram, all the various channels uh, that tries to instigate conversation, that tries to get people talking and thinking about uh, the series a week or two before we head out. We do a direct email. Um, so every week we send out a direct email, but before a series, that email will be asking people, please invite your friends. There'll be a click, a link uh, to the video to some social content, um, you know, to make, you know, all that uh, happen. Uh, and then really the last two areas, I, I overlapped here, the last two areas, you know, all of our teams, uh, we communicate, this is the series that's coming up. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Please invite your friends. We're anticipating a bump in attendance coming because of this series. Um, you know, it's funny, often I find that our internal teams can be just unaware of, hey, what's coming up next? What's happening at the church? And so we want to make sure uh, that you have a team, um, you know, push. And then finally, you know, I talked about this already, uh, but the social push, um, we want to make sure that we're, you know, having kind of countdown content. So for us, the difference between online content and social push is, you know, we'll do like, sometimes we'll do a PR, a press release about a certain series that's just content out there on the web. Um, that we're hoping, you know, people will see or it'll help generate some SEO content. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a bit um, when we talk about promotion and, you know, how we can get the word out. I think another thing we've done to really help prepare for um, our growth and that's helped fuel our growth is we've shifted really to a big day strategy. So every series is super important at our church. It's the kind of thing you can invite your friend to. It's the kind of thing that, um, you know, we really do believe this is to be a great first series for a first time guest. But there are a few series throughout a year, maybe three or four that kick off with a big day that we pull out all the stops and put the majority of our promotional weight and energy behind it. And we try to really call it out as something special. And the reason why we do that is because new things attract new people. So, you know, we know that, you know, when we say like, hey, this is super important, that that will attract, there's a segment of people that are like, because it's super important and different and new, I'm willing to invite. And there are certain times a year that people are um, more interested in inviting. They're, you know, more, you know, able to invite and their friends are more able to respond or they're more interested to responding. So, you know, we're still in a culture where Easter is one of those times where people are more likely to respond. Actually, Easter is a great, it's a, a highest 
chance a year for people to invite or opportunity a year for to invite that we just know that cheap people statistically will invite people on Easter and the, their, they, their friends are more likely to reciprocate on that day. So we make a big deal about Easter. You know, we do that at the kickoff to the year as well. Uh, we also do that at kickoff in the fall and then also, um, you know, kind of a, a Christmas Eve push as well. So big days are important uh, for us. And then, you know, I think the last area that I'd suggest, Carrie, is that you expose your leaders to the next level, to churches that are, um, you know, kind of that next rung up from a size point of view. Um, so, you know, I, I think we can be tempted um, to look at churches that are 10 times our size and be like, wow, this would be amazing to be a church that's 10 times our size. And yeah, that would be great. Um, but if you could expose them to a church that's maybe 50% larger than your church or double your size, um, it will help your team get their head their head around what that looks like. I think sometimes, you know, we it's good for us to get exposure to the much larger church, but what about that church that's, you know, just a little bit bigger, people can get their head around, um, how is that going to work for them and, you know, so on and so forth. So and that's something we've tried to do with us. I, you know, I'm, tr I'm constantly trying to network our team. It's a part of the reason why I started this podcast uh, was to expose our leaders to other church um, leaders out there um, to get their heads around what it would look like uh, to lead that kind of church. Well, Kerry, really appreciate that. Um, you know, thanks so much for, for your question and for your leadership and friendship um, over the years. All right, we've got our last question of the day. Uh, G. Lane Robinson, really appreciate him he's a great leader let's listen into what uh, he's got to say hey this is g lane robinson here in dallas texas at the verge church and uh, my question is how do you communicate when you have one audience made up of so many different kinds of people age uh religion i mean not religion but uh relational backgrounds catholic baptist pentecostal from 94 to 18 uh some like bulletins some like video but nobody likes it all so what do you think all right, really appreciate that. I think this is a critical question. You know, it's the, it's do I have one audience or many personas question. You know, I think a lot of times, particularly if we're the person that stands on stage every Sunday, we look out and we see one audience, but the reality of it is that our church is made up of many personas. Um, and by personas, I mean, you know, kind of three or four or maybe five or six different types of people that you can kind of group your audience into. It has a whole other conversation on how we can do this. Uh, but I think it's important as communications people to really think, okay, I need to communicate to, you know, families in a different way than I communicate to, you know, retired folks. That's just the reality of it, that there isn't really one audience. There's kind of many smaller audiences within a larger audience. And, you know, the kind of mindset challenge, I would say, you know, for us, and again, we could talk more about this, but, um, you know, is to really kind of break your one audience down into smaller audiences. From a practical kind of tactical point of view that the important thing for us to remember is that, you know, we may have one message, one thing that we're trying to communicate, but we have to push that through many channels we don't live in an age anymore that we can just get up on a Sunday morning and make a Sunday stand up announcement and then people will listen. Um, that just isn't going to happen. You won't, you won't catch enough people with that. You have to have a multiplicity of channels um, where with a very small number of messages. This is where it gets back to what I said earlier about narrowing the focus, having a few things that you're talking about as a church, uh, but talking about them through a multiple, you know, a multiple different, you know, channels. And really the reality of it is the bigger the message, the more channels you should use. So the more important the message is to your church, the more important it is that everyone hears, the more channels you need to use to think about this. So if, if it's really not that important, just get up and talk about it on a Sunday morning in announcements. And the people who are asking you to talk about it will be like happy that you talked about it. The chances of it actually getting heard, you know, people hearing are pretty low. Um, but, but if it's super important, you need to think, okay, I have to use as many channels as possible. So I often think of that, that basically, um, you know, the more, you know, how important is this? And I just need a longer list for the different types of ways to communicate with people. The reason why we need to do this is because really the goal is to surround our people. The goal is, you know, to surround all these different personas 
and to communicate with them the same message across a bunch of different channels so that we kind of communicate in a way that's important to them. We start with what, how is it that our people like to be communicated to? And then we build a communication strategy around that. So let me give you an example. So Easter, it really is the biggest of big days. And, you know, I would think as a church leader, you're going to want everyone that, um, that is connected with your church remotely to know about what's happening at Easter and specifically to know to invite a friend to Easter. And so what you want to do is develop a multi-channel approach. And what I often will think about is kind of where are my people? Where do they live? Um, What is it that they do? And how can I think about landing that message even just in their daily lives, um, even more so than the persona thing, how do I kind of reach them at various different touch points throughout their the way they kind of live? And so I'll give you an example of that. So obviously Sunday morning is a channel, is a time that we could communicate with um, people. And so, you know, there's a, a bunch of different ways you could communicate on a Sunday morning. You could talk about it in through the announcements. You get up and actually invite people, say like, hey, you should do that. You know, you're going to give away some sort of handout, maybe an invite card, you know, that sort of deal. You could create a certain amount of chaos and in the foyer, we, we you know we're doing this for an upcoming series where the week before, um, actually when people arrive, there's going to be stuff happening in. Um, in the foyer um, the week before the series launches and it's all about reminding people oh that series starts next week I need to invite my friend Um, you know you could show a teaser now a lot of times what happens is this is where we end our communication we think okay we got up on a Sunday morning and we talked about it and how come people don't know about it Um, but I think the reason why that is is because we haven't used enough channels if it's really important to us we have to use more channels we have to surround our people so really they can't get away from it and so I have to think okay how do I get into their home so they're going to go home after this morning I want to make sure this message gets into their home I'm still a believer in direct mail Um, you know so that might be for Easter it might be hey we're going to mail you two or three invite cards and we're going to send a letter from you as the senior pastor saying oh man I am so fired up for what's happening um, at um, Easter this year. It's going to be, these are the three reasons why it's amazing. Here's two reasons why you should invite your friend. And here's some invite cards right now. Put them on your fridge or put them somewhere important and be thinking and praying through who you can invite. Maybe you do a phone call campaign. We have an important meeting coming up uh, where we've, um, you know, we've done a whole, you know, planned out this whole deal where we're going to actually call, you know, 500 homes and we're going to call them repeatedly until we get someone over a three-day period uh, to ask them if they're coming to this deal because it's important to us. We want to reach them at their home. You know, the way to think about it is, you know, we want to get in, into their pocket. So, you know, people walk around with cell phones. Um, what kind of communication strategy could you use to get into their pocket? And so, you know, in the past, we've done phone blasts where um, it's kind of robo calls. You can, you know, relatively cheaply, um, you know, we, we've used a thing called phone vite. Um, phone, so P-H-O-N-E-V-I-T-E.com. Um, and for pennies a call, you can have it f- blast your people. Um, you upload a database, just a, you know, an Excel spreadsheet of your people, upload an audio file, um, and they'll phone out, literally call 2,000 people in two minutes, that kind of thing. It's, it's uh, pretty amazing. Text messages, if you get people to opt in, um, you know, through some sort of campaign, you could use that to get into their pocket. Again, you're getting kind of thinking about how do I use multiple channels to get uh, two people. At their office, I often think, okay, people are sitting in their office on a Tuesday afternoon. I want them to be inviting friends. Um, So, you know, personally, I think this is where social media comes in. This is the kind of location that social media works for. Um, So, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon, the reality of it is a lot of our people have Facebook open. We know that because we see them interacting on social media. And so, um, you know, this could also be an at their home kind of environment. But, you know, I think office is a good place to think that through. Also direct email blast, emailing them Wednesday at noon. Um, you know, we'll deliberately send things in the middle of the day, trying to catch people while they're sitting there. Um, there are some reports that show the best time to send an email is midweek at lunchtime, uh, because people are, you know, sitting there, you know, maybe having a bit of a downtime at lunch at their office. And so, um, you know, that's a great time to send, um, mail. What about um, just on the web as people are surface, uh, surfing around? We're using this um, right now. We're involved in an ad retargeting campaign, um, which again, this is early. I'll probably end up writing about this and talking about it, sharing what we're learning. Um, so ad retargeting, basically what it does is when you arrive at liquidchurch.com, um, we're dropping a little cookie, a little piece of information on every computer that comes. And then uh, two weeks before Easter, 
we're going to go out onto Facebook and Google and a bunch of ad networks. And all the people who have been on our site are going to start to see ads on Facebook, um, you know, all over the web through the Google network, um, on Google specifically. And what it's trying to do is recall them to our site, but specifically it's going to be recalling them for, um, you know, for Easter to invite friends to our Easter service. Because what the assumption is we're making is that people that would be visiting our site between in the next two months as we kind of lead up or next 10 weeks as we lead up to Easter, um, those people are going to be are highly likely to want to invite people or more likely to want to invite people to our Easter service. And so that's something we're experimenting with. It's called ad retargeting. We're using a system called Perfect Audience. If you're looking for more information, you can check out about that. I'll probably end up blogging about that in the coming um, weeks, you know, after Easter is kind of a post-mortem post. Um, custom content, you know, if you're making blog posts, getting out there, you know, making, you know, buttons that people can put on their blogs if they have that, that sort of thing. And then for me, PR, you know, public relations, this is a big part of, um, you know, the kind of uh, the on the web side of the equation. Why you would do PR is because it does, um, you know, get people out beyond your walls on the web reading about you and it gets your people reading about uh, about you as well. So that's what I would say, sir, that, um, you know, you need to think about narrowing the focus, communicating less, but increasing basically the more important the messages, you need to have multiple channels um, and be thinking there's kind of five areas I would say uh, that, that you should be wrestling through how you're going to communicate to them. Well, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I wish we could have covered more. There were more questions. Um, you know, I was able to get to four. We've obviously gone long today. Um, I hope this was helpful. Was it helpful for you? Um, please, you know, let me know. Drop me an email, rich at unseminary.com or, um, you know what, in the future, I, I might do more of these. If you want to leave a voicemail, you can just go to speak pipe.com. That's a, a service speakpipe.com forward slash rich perch. Leave me a question. Leave me some feedback. Let me know if you liked this episode, send me an email. Tell me what you liked about it. Rich Birch at, or just rich at unseminary.com. Or you can go by um, iTunes and leave feedback and review. I super appreciate that. That helps other people hear um, about the podcast. If you didn't like it, email me as well. Let me know like it was too long. It wasn't enough detail. You were too broad, you know, too much, you know, let me know whatever that is as well. Um, and, and I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope as you go into this weekend, uh, you have a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much for serving your church. And I will see you next week as we continue back uh, with some great interviews lined up uh, here at Unseminary. All right.